Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. I read recently of a, of a, a, true, a very true story, and it was this couple who was celebrating their 60th birthday together. They'd been together for many, many years, and um, yeah, their 60th birthday. And so, But an angel showed up, and the angel says, the Lord, because of your wonderful faithfulness in marriage and 60 years of life, we are going to grant you two wishes, each one apiece, and you get to wish whatever you want. And so he started with the woman, ladies go first, and she goes, you know what, I've always wanted to just travel the world, and so poof, smoke cloud, all that. And then all of a sudden the smoke clears and there she is holding these international travel tickets around the world paid for in advance. And so she's just so excited. And then the angel looks at the man and says, well, what, what do you want for your one wish? And he goes, well, I want to be married to, uh, to a woman 30 years younger than me. And so poof, smoke appears. And then all of a sudden it disappears. And then he's 90 years old and she's still 60. <laughs> and so he got his wish. She's married to a woman 30 years Younger, that he got what he deserved. Uh, we are in this series from this day forward. We we love talking about marriage here, and, and let me tell you this real quick here. If you are single, I'm, I really want you to dial in. Do not dismiss these series because what anybody will tell you that's been married for any length of time is this: I wish I knew then what I know. Now, I wish somebody had taught me. I wish somebody had prepared me. I wish somebody would have trained me. And so this is your training ground because there are certain key principles and beliefs that if you will get rooted into your heart right now, it will set you up. Because what all the couples that have been married for many, many years will tell you is this, is that they wish they could have just jumped over some of those problems, leapt over some of those issues. They wish they would have known because they would have maybe saved themselves some heartache and pain. And so if you're single, I want you to dial in. Um, this is our, our series. And what we want to do is, is over these three weeks, I'm going to share with you what I believe are the three most important decisions you will ever make in marriage. And it comes from this little tiny scripture found in the book of Genesis. So in Genesis, well, there, there's a, there's a principle of, of, studying the Bible that goes like this. It's called the law of first mention. And it basically has this idea that anytime you find a topic or a subject mentioned for the very first time, it establishes how you can look at that subject and interpret it through all the other future scriptures. Does that make sense? So obviously Genesis has all these first mentions because it's the first book of the Bible. Well, in Genesis, you see the very first marriage couple getting together. And Jesus takes this little scripture that you and I would have quickly read right over, glossed right over, not given much thought to, and he quotes it. Then the apostle Paul, when he teaches on marriage, he plucks this little scripture and then he quotes it as well. So again, you see it as first mentioned, then you see it repeated and validated by Jesus. And then again, by the apostle Paul, which tells you this, this is a really big deal. Let's read it together. It's a fun story. So Genesis chapter two, the Bible says that God speaks, and it says that after he created all of creation, remember when he created things, he said, well, that's good, there's birds, and that's good, and there's animals, and that's good, and everything's good, and good, 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 good. He makes Adam, first time he says something is not good, and it says, it is not good for man to be alone. And all the ladies said, duh. That's very clear to us. It is not good for man to be alone, God says, so I will make a helper suitable for him. 
Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, well, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And all the men said, Amen. Do you get that? That's okay, good. I mean, dog is man's best friend, but we want to leave it to that. There's nothing further going on there. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed it up with, or closed up the place with flesh. Couple of observations here. Number one is this, is when God made a dude, he made him from the dirt or the ground, which is why men are dirty. Okay. When the woman was made, she was made from a clean bone. That's why y'all are clean. Okay. It's not our fault. You blame God. That's observation number one. Observation number two is, think about this. When woman was being created, where was man and what was he doing? He was asleep. That's why y'all don't make any sense to us. Nobody gave us an instruction manual. We were asleep during the creation process. We have no idea what we're doing. Be patient with us. And all the men, yeah, you get it now. So, So it says the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called what? Which is, whoa, man. For she was to actually, it's just man with a womb is really what that means. But either way, verse 24 That is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. That's the key verse that you would have normally just read right over. I'm going to read it again. That is why, this is summation of the whole story. That is why, this whole story, a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. Now, in that one little verse, go back to verse number 24, I'm telling you what are three of the most profound laws or principles that you could ever think of. Now, you're probably thinking, Todd, I would have just read right over that. And I did too for years until somebody taught me what this meant. So again, there are three decisions based on three laws or principles, if you will, in that one little verse. For this reason, a man shall leave his father's mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You should just memorize that. Men, you maybe want to get a tattoo, put it somewhere, and, and I'm telling you, you could, you could live the rest of your life when it comes to your marriage, and you could focus on this one verse, and you would be incredibly successful. Because there is a doubt that we live with right now, particularly in America, where we're like, man, do marriages really work? I mean, like, people tell you these terrible statistics, like, you know, 50% of all marriages end in divorce, which is not true, by the way. That's based on the idea that when you get into your second and your third marriages, the numbers start going up, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that later. So, the reason why, it's, it's not as bad as you think, but it's still, there's a doubt in your mind that says, does marriage, because this is what I know about you, when you look at the people that are married, and, and then many of them are getting divorced, or you look at the ones that stay married, you think, I don't think they're very happy. Do, do I really want that? And people, because of, of culture, are even waiting longer to get married. Some of them are not getting married. I'm telling you this. I think marriage was God's answer to man's problem. 
I mean both of you, by the way. I meant mankind by that. But like when you think about men, think about this. Any person left to themselves is inherently selfish. Let me say it again. Any person left to themselves is inherently selfish. Not evilly, like selfish, but, but like, hey, when you're single, guys, do you know what I'm saying? You did what you wanted, when you wanted, how you wanted. Just that you could play video games till 2 a.m. and no one would compl- complain. You could stay out until 2 a.m. and no one would complain. You could do whatever you wanted with all your money. And so what I believe God does is that God looks at people and says, you know, any person left to themselves is full of ego, self. And what God does is that I believe God uses marriage. Cause remember he said, it's not good for a man to be alone. God uses marriage as the instrument and tool to strip you of ego and self. Think about it. If you were just left to your singleness, you'd continue to do what you wanted, when you wanted, how you wanted, and you would just continue in this ego driven or self driven life. And for the vast majority of us, we cannot do that. And so God says, no, no, you know what you need? You need a person who's so radically different from you. Because men and women are so absolutely different, whether it's the dirt of the earth or the, the, the clean bone, whether we were sleeping or what. I'm telling you, the way God designed men and women is with this beautiful difference. And what happens is when you're forced now into proximity, into marriage and into this life together, it forces you to strip self off of you. You have to rip ego from your life now because now I remember the first time this ever happened. Because again, when I was single, I did what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted, as long as I wanted, and blah, blah, blah. And I remember we got married, and I remember being out with my buddies, wasn't doing anything terrible, but was out with my buddies till at least 2 or 3 a.m. And then I came home, and my wife, you'll never believe this, my wife was upset with me. And she looked at me because my wife is much wiser than I am. You just need to know that. And so I came home and, and she's like upset. And I'm like, well, why are you upset? I was truly naive. I had no idea why she was upset. And she goes, Todd, this is her teaching me about marriage. She goes, Todd, we're married now. Um, that just means that like, if you're going to be out late, like you should at least tell me and give me a heads up and let me know or include me in on your decision-making process. And that was like a, like, wow, what an incredible concept. So wait a minute. I am now responsible to and for another human being. That is mind blowing. And what I realized was, is I'm a really selfish person. Now, what God also uses to strip ego and self from you are children. And and what happens is each additional child begins to strip more ego and more self from you. Until if you have enough kids, you become a lifeless shell of a human being. And so, I'm, I'm kidding a little. And so... But, but God uses a family dynamic. Now remember this, before there was a church, before there was a, a religious organization, before there was a law on Mount Sinai, before anything, God chose what? Family. Marriage. That component. And God says, it's not good for man alone, so I'm gonna put you in this dynamic that is gonna absolutely change you, rearrange you, challenge you to strip ego and self out of your life. And what it'll do is, is it'll make you a better human being. Because any person that is driven by ego and self is eventually led down a path towards evil of some kind. 
So God uses this dynamic. Now, again, going back to verse 24, there's three laws, three principles that I'm going to point out, one per week for the next three weeks. And the first one is this. It says in verse 24 that this is why a man leaves. Everybody say leaves. This is why a man leaves his father and his mother. The first law or principle that you need to adopt is what we would call the law of priority. Because when he says, I want you to leave your father and your mother, what you need to think about is, is that their relationships were so, uh, were so built on family that if you were a young man, the number one relational priority of your life would have been your, your parents, your mom and dad. That's how you would have survived. That's how you would have lived. That's how you, you'd have done everything. You would have been mom and dad. That would have been the number one priority relationship. And so God establishes from the beginning that when you get married, no longer is mom and dad the priority relationship. The marriage is now the priority relationship and it is the most important relationship Period. As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes, God designed marriage to operate as the number two priority of life, second only to him. So you got to remember, Adam's walking around the Garden of Eden, God's ta- and, and, and Adam's talking to who? God. Adam's in a relationship with who? God. The number one priority of your life should be your relationship with God. But when it comes to your earthly relationships, the number two priority is now your spouse. It's your marriage. And anytime you decide... To alter your life from this, you are inviting chaos into your marriage. And anybody that's been married for any length of time knows this, that many times a couple will begin to separate, there will begin to be a divide, there will begin to be separation, a coldness sets in, because one of them feels like the other person has put something ahead of them. And so when a guy puts something ahead of his wife, a woman will naturally feel unloved, and when a woman puts anything ahead of her husband, he will naturally feel disrespected. There's no other way around it. This is why it's a law. Now, if you know anything about laws or principles, you got to remember that the laws that God established are, are just like the laws of nature, right? So one of the laws of nature that we think about would be like the law of gravity, right? If you jump off this stage, you're going to, you're, you're going to fall. And here's the thing about laws. Laws don't care if you know about them or not. Does it make sense? You could get on top of a tall building, step right off, and be like, hey, I had no idea that was going to happen. But gravity doesn't care if you know about it. It just is what it is. And gravity doesn't care if you like it. You you, you can have an argument with gravity if you want. Gravity doesn't care. Well, the laws that God has established are the same way. They're already set in motion. So you can't actually break these laws. You can only break yourself against the law. It doesn't matter if you don't like it or not. It already has been established. And so, again, God determines very early on that a man shall leave his father and his mother and then be joined to his wife. So this is the way the King James, if you had a King James Bible, it would say, you got to leave and cleave. So the idea was this, you got to leave. And so here's what you have to have, I believe, to pull this off, is you have to recognize that there is a legitimate jealousy that is good. Jealousy, as a matter of fact, is the indicator that something is wrong or out of place. Does that make sense? Like there's, cause so, so, well, let me break this down, cause there's a bad type of jealousy. Cause I know what you're thinking, you're like, well, wait a minute. I thought jealousy was bad. Well, some jealousy's bad. So when Paul says love is not jealous, he was referring to like not being jealous of the person. Like you shouldn't be jealous of your spouse. You should be jealous for your spouse. 
there's a legitimate type of, now even that can go too far. That can be unhealthy if you become controlling or, 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 or mean or cruel about it. But there is a legitimate, healthy, and righteous type of jealousy. I'll prove it to you. The Bible says this in Exodus 34, 14. It says, do not worship any other God for the Lord whose name is jealous. He's a jealous God. You need, you need to know, like, this is what he was saying. Hey, you need to know, I love you, and I want to be your one and only man. That was the whole point of the Ten Commandments, by the way. If you don't know, the whole lead up to God giving the Ten Commandments has many parallels to a Jewish wedding feast. So when they read it, they would see all these little components of a Jewish wedding feast. And then all of a sudden, God gives them these Ten Commandments. And we've always looked at these really, really poorly as some type of contract that says, if I do these, I'll be good. Or if I do these, God will like me. Or if I do these, I'll get into heaven. All ridiculous. That had nothing to do with the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were given because God already loved you and because God wanted relationship with you. Not to see if it was there, but because it was already there. And I watch this. Think about the first four commandments that he gives. All of them are, I'm jealous. I love you and I want to be your one and only bow. That's why when you look at the rest of the Old Testament, whenever Israel would commit some type of idolatry, God would call it adultery. Why? Because they were in relationship with one another. So the very first command is this. Do you remember what it is? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. He's saying, I just want to be your one and only. We're not dating around. We're not, da- we're not seeing other people. I'm not on your back burner. You're not playing the field. You're not swiping right on anybody else. That's not, that's not how this works. I'm your one and only. And then, and then he says stuff like, don't, don't make me into a graven image. You know what he was saying? He goes, don't make me like everybody else. I'm special. All these other nations got their little trinket and got their little statue and got their little, no, 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 no. I'm not like that. I'm special. I'm, I'm different than that. Don't take my name in vain. Don't abuse, don't abuse my name and abuse our relationship or try to take advantage of me. And then the fourth one was, this is fascinating. He says, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. You know what the Sabbath is? It's date night or date day. It's date day. Cause what you, listen, cause when you, when you love somebody, you're like, Hey, I want to spend time together. So I know that we got stuff to do and there's busyness and we got life and work and kids and all this, but I want you to know, like we're carving out one day where it is just about me and you. And it's, it's about us. And that's the way I want our relationship to work. And so this is that legitimate type of jealousy that when it goes off, it's indicating to you that I think that I think my spouse has put something ahead of me and I'm, I'm, I'm. I'll tell you this, my wife has some jealousy. My wife, uh, we were in the gym one day, and we were not working out side by side. She was in a different, because she, she does other yoga lattes type things. Um, but I'm, I'm over on like a treadmill warming up, and, and this girl is walks up and jumps on the treadmill next to me, and then, you know, she starts talking to me, which I find a little weird. I don't get hit on a lot. I don't know. I put out a vibe, apparently. But this woman apparently um, thought about talking to me, and and she did one of these moves. And girls, you know the move, because I'm not I'm not that funny. But I said something, and it wasn't that funny. And she goes, <laughs> and then she just grazed my arm, and I'm kind of like, okay, that's weird. All right, I'm gonna go work out. I just leave, right? And then I go tell my wife immediately because I think it's mostly funny, but I think I should tell her anyway. And I'm like, hey, babe, that girl over there. Dude, she just did that. <laughs> You're so funny. And she goes, where? Which one? Which one is it? I will 
I'll freaking cut her. That's legitimate jealousy. That's good. That's a good thing to be that kind of jealous. Why? Because she loves me. And she wants me to be her one and only bow. And I, that's what I want her to be my one and only boo. And so that is a good, healthy, wonderful kind of jealousy. And, and, and this is the way that our lives ought to work. And so, so you, you want to, cause see, here's, I remember you need to get your head wrapped around something really, really powerful. Be careful how you use the word love. Because I, I had a question come in during our Q&A series. I never got to fully answer it. But it was in essence a question about, Todd, if love is good, why can't I just love whoever, whenever, however? And it wasn't necessarily about polygamy. It was almost like saying, hey, love is good. So if I love her and then, you know, if you're not with the one you love, just love the one you, you're with. I'm like, they made a song about that. And so... The the reason why you need to get your head wrapped around this idea is you can't just start throwing love around as if it's good for her, then it's good for her. No, 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 because what you need to recognize is this. If I started loving another woman, although it may be true that I'm giving that woman love, I am also crushing another human being. So now my love is actually harmful, which makes it no longer... You see the difference? Love in its nature has to be exclusive. Because ladies, if I described for you uh, th- this, this romantic evening that your husband planned, and it was like he dressed up and he showered and he, he got really cleaned up and looked really handsome and looked really dapper, and then he made all these incredible plans and he met you with flowers and he opened your car door and he took you to this incredible restaurant and he took you out to this other event, and it was so awesome and so incredible. And if I described that for you, you'd be like, oh, I know you ladies, you'd be like, oh. But then what if I said, oh, but by the way, he, he just took another woman. What would that do to you? On the inside, it would, it would crush you. See, love has an exclusivity built into it. And if you remove the exclusivity of the love, it is no longer love. That's why there is a legitimate jealousy to it. Not an unhealthy, not a violent or evil or controlling or demeaning or cruel. I'm not talking about any of that. And I'm not talking about jealous of. I'm talking about jealous for. It's a powerful thing in your relationship because what it does is, is it keeps that person the number one priority relationship of your life. And so here's what I need you to do. I need you to actually establish, this is one of the most important steps you can take, is establish what your priorities are. Because if you don't know what they are, they'll be always bouncing and jumping and one will get one and then all of a sudden it'll be three and then four will become two and then three jumps into one and they'll, they'll be bouncing around depending on the circumstances of of your life, depending on what season of life you're in, they'll just be bouncing around. So what you need to do right now is determine what are my priorities. Now, uh, because I knew you would ask, what are my priorities? I went ahead and kind of gave you what I believe should be a really good working guide for your priorities. If you are a Christ follower, it should look like this. Now, if, if you don't walk with God, just delete number one and everything. I promise your life will still be better if you just did this. But, but as a Christ follower, you can't help but say, no, My relationship with God is the priority of my life because everything flows from it. My ability to love my spouse comes from my relationship with God. My ability to parent comes from my relationship with God. My ability to stay sane in life comes from my relationship with God. So God is number one. But see, God's already established now that your spouse is number two because that's why he established that very first law. For this reason, a man shall what? Leave. It doesn't mean you dish your parents. Bible actually says honor your parents. 
But what you do is, is you make your spouse, your marriage, the number one priority relationship. And then it's children. See, the Bible never says put your children ahead of your marriage. It actually does the opposite. A right model for, for biblical family life has marriage number one and kids number two. And again, we move down. Number four is work. Work is important. God designed you for work. Work is good. I'm telling you, it's, it's incredible. But it doesn't go ahead of certain things. And see, here's the temptation that we all fall into. We fall into the temptation of putting good things in the wrong place. Or we, we could kind of say it like this, is that any time that you have a, a, a great thing, or we could say it like this, the most important things must constantly be protected from the good things out of priority. See, because here's what I know about you. You love your kids. Like wives, you love your kids. Your kids are important. And here's one of the problems you run into. When they're little, and I mean like newborns, they are so demanding of your time. They have to be fed every few hours. They have to be put to bed. They have to be swaddled. They have to be burped. They have to be swung. They have to be driven. I mean, they they can't do anything for themselves. It's kind of pathetic. (laughs) Human beings take the longest before you can let them off into the wild. I think, again, God does that so he can remove self and ego from us. But nonetheless, they're so demanding early on in the early part of years that, see, moms, your temptation is going to be to put your kids above your husband. And now all of a sudden we have a really good thing out of its natural priority and the marriage suffers. Guys, you're different. And again, these are stereotypes. They don't hold true across the board. But guys, for the most part, you know what you put above your marriage is your work. You think work is so, cause see, at a, see, I know you, at a work, you feel like the man. At work, you feel like a king. At work, you're doing, you're accomplishing, you're winning. You, you know, you feel good. All of a sudden you come home, you're like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. You know, so, so you, it's easy to put work ahead of your spouse. But I guarantee you this, anytime something takes the priority over your spouse, a woman will feel unloved and a man will feel disrespected. This is why after 10 years of marriage counseling, this is the most common stuff I hear. Stuff like this. Well, he works all the time and then when he gets home, he's tired and he wants to rest. And when he does get time off, he's doing something with his buddies. Or he says, she doesn't even know when I'm home. She's so busy with the kids and with the house. And anytime I want to get romantic or have her do something with me, she's too tired. What does that tell you? It tells us that there are good things that took the priority over the most important things. And our marriage is suffering. Now, somebody feels unloved and somebody feels disrespected. And then you get into this negative cycle. And the only way you can break that cycle is somebody has to wake up to the fact that they they have broken this law, they have broken this command by God to put the marriage first, and you just have to go repent. You have to go and say, hey, look, I was wrong, I'm sorry, and and I want to make this right, and then you have to adjust. And so, again, this this is why this is so important. Priorities must be proven in real terms, not just words. So now that you figured out what your priorities are, now you figured out, hey, I think we broke the law. I think that that I put this above you, sweetie. I think I put this above you. And now we're in this negative cycle where somebody feels unloved. And then, has you ever noticed this? As soon as she feels unloved, she can't fully respect him. And now he feels disrespected. So that now he's disrespected. He's in a mood. And because he's in a mood, now she doesn't feel loved. And then because, because she doesn't feel loved, she can't fully respect it. I could do this all day. 
You're in the negative cycle until somebody just repents until somebody says, Hey, we're in the, we're in the doom loop and the death cycle. We're we're in this negative funk here, babe. We got to get out. And so babe, I repent to you, not to God. No, you repent to your spouse. Let's, let's reset. Let's hit the reset button. Let's get our marriage back on track. And so again, not just words, but proven in real things. Now, and that words are important though, because see, sometimes you, you need to like think about yourself. A lot of times men are great at doing things, but they don't say it really well. Ladies, sometimes you say it, but you don't do it and show it with your actions. But both of you have really good intentions. It's either not being said or it's not being done in real time and real actions. And so I'm saying you do both. Now, this is how you prove it with real action. There's four things that you need to think about that really flesh out your priorities or prove your priorities. You cannot get away from these four things. Sacrifice, time, energy, and attitude. Because if you tell me, Todd, this is such a big deal to me. This is such a priority. Like I got a buddy of mine who is constantly wanting to get in shape, constantly reading a new book on health and dieting and working out and all these things. And he says to me, he goes, man, this is it. I, this is my new thing. This is, I'm going to work out. I'm going to do this. And I, I've never actually seen him in a gym. I've never seen him do anything other than eat good food. And so I've never, so, so my, my, but my point is, is that you can have the greatest intentions all day long towards your spouse, but if it doesn't show up in sacrifice, I'm telling you what, nothing will turn a lady on more than sacrifice, gentlemen. Because when, when a guy says, you know what, babe, these guys asked me to go out and shoot pool tonight, but I'd rather stay home with you and watch that rom-com. I'm telling you what, it's over. Throw on Marvin Gaye is done. When you say, babe, you know what? I was going to go out with the boys and go golfing, but you know what? You're so beautiful. I'd just rather spend time with you. I'm telling you, sacrifice is a huge turn on because it says with the volume turned up so loud, hey, you are the most important thing to me. Time, you can't get away from this. See, some of you need to check your schedule because nothing will prove your priorities greater than your wallet and your schedule, I, I'm just, it's just huge. And so many of you, what you do is, is that it, it, some of you are good with money and you know how to budget your money. Many of you don't know how to budget your time, but you need to think of your time the same way you would a dollar bill. Like it's a limited commodity. So like I've got a limited amount of time. Where does it go? And what you actually do with your time is one of the greatest reflections of your priorities, energy, attitude. Hey, here's the deal. Cause I know a lot of guys that you're going to hear me today. And by the way, no elbowing. I don't want you to, you know. What you're going to do is you're going to walk out of here. And you're gonna be like, you know what? All right, fine. I'll take you dancing. You know what I mean? Like I had this guy's wife. Only the only thing she ever wanted to do was for her husband to take her dancing. He's dancing stupid. And he goes, "What do I do?" I'm like, "Freaking take her dancing, you moron!" So she wants you to take her dancing. You know what you do? You take her dancing. It's it's that simple. What my baby wants, my baby gets. Just live with that as your motto. What, baby, you want that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whatever you want, you get. And, and then girls do the same thing. And so what, what you find is, is that, is that a lot of guys or girls for that matter, they'll, you, you know, like again, you'll take her dancing, but then you'll complain the whole time. It's as if you never did it. Or it might be even worse. So ne- I'm telling you what, nothing, um, guys, when you go to do things, ladies, when you go to do things for your spouse, don't do it with this grumpy attitude. Choose the attitude you want. Go all in and show them they are the ultimate priority. And so again, they must be proven in real terms. Now, here's the deal, because I know you. 
And I know you're fighting me right now. Many of you are arguing with me. Not face to face because that would be weird. I have a microphone and you don't. Because see, there's some kickbacks and I know what they are. There's some kickbacks. One of the kickbacks is the whatabouts. Well, Todd... What, what, I mean, Todd, look, I know you're a preacher and you just pray all day and that's your job and you, you work one day a week on Sundays and I know, you know, I know that's what you think about me, but Todd, you don't live in the real world and you don't know what it's really like. So Todd, what about, you know, I got a mortgage to pay, Todd. What about, I got a kid's tuition uh, for college. I got to pay. What about this? What about, and you give me all your what abouts and I hear you. I just don't care because I know some things that you don't know. Because I don't have just my 18 years worth of marriage. I've got all of y'all's combined because I counsel people. So I got added insight. I got added wisdom. I got added information. And here's what I know. Like, the fact is that if you don't make the marriage the priority, the mortgage won't matter. Because you'll be arguing in divorce court over who gets what and who gets how much. And that kid's college tuition that you've been putting away for, that's going to be eaten up in legal fees. So I know that you have these things, but there's a law that you cannot break. You can only break yourself against it. Now, not only are there some whatabouts, there's some win wees All right, Todd, I get what you're saying. All right, it's really good. All right, you, you got me on that what about for sure. So here's what I'm going to do. When we finally get this paid off and we get this taken care of and when we finally get rid of my mother-in-law and when we finally, when, when the kids are a little bit older and when we, and when we, and when we, and when we, and when we. See, I got you. See, I knew what you're thinking. See, some of y'all wanted to fight me. Some of y'all want to delay me. But there's a law and you can't break it. It's the law of priority. It says that there is nothing more valuable, nothing more important than my relationship with God. And then secondly, my relationship with my spouse. And anytime you start having issues with your priorities, somebody's going to feel unloved and somebody's going to feel disrespected. Somebody's going to feel left out. So here's the big question. What are your priorities? What does your list look like? What order would they be? And there's a, there's a woman who went to the Super Bowl and there was an empty seat next to her. And the diehard fan, just, just one seat over, was like, man, this is the Super Bowl. Why do you have this seat left open? I mean, this is, these are thousands of dollars per ticket. And she goes, well, by, this was my husband's seat, and he died. And she goes, he goes, man, so, so you left that seat open to honor him. That's incredible. And she goes, no, that wasn't it. And he goes, oh, well, maybe you had like a family member or a friend that would want to come and take that seat. And he goes, she goes, you know, I thought so too, but they all decided that the funeral was more important. Some, some people have bad priorities. Some, she just delayed the funeral. Anyway, there's some whatabouts. There's some, there's some win-wees. Here, here's a big question I want you to ask yourself and I want you to wrestle with today. Um, and, and this is the question that I want you to eventually take to your spouse if you so have the guts to do so. Question number one is this. Is, are there any schedule changes you would like me to make? Go to your spouse. Babe, sugar, boo, sugar, boo. Hey, is there anything in my schedule that makes you feel unloved? Is there anything in my schedule that makes you feel unprioritized or, 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 or looked over or dismissed or disrespected? Is there anything in my schedule? Because I'd never want you to feel that way. And my intent, because I know you, you're, most of you are really good people. 
Most of you would never, in the intent of your heart, is good towards your spouse. So ask them this tough question. Is there anything in my schedule? Here's another question. Is there anything that you feel like I have prioritized over you? Because there's a law, and you can't break it. You can only break yourself against it. But see, God has established marriage with these three laws, and if, 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 if you will follow them, marriage can be blessed. Marriage can be awesome. Marriage can be this incredible thing because it is not good for you to be alone, God said. The, 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 Jesus affirmed that. The, he goes, the majority of people shouldn't be single. There's a few exceptions, but the majority of people shouldn't be single. It's not good for you to be alone. God wants to use marriage to refine you, but to enrich you and make your life better. Is there anything that you have taken out of its rightful place? There's a story, I'll close on this. When they excavated the 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 volcano Vesuvius that, that destroyed Pompeii. There's a story of when they, they excavated everything that they found a body. And it said that the fascinating thing about the body is that the body was aimed outside the city, but the person's hand was reaching backwards. And they kept chiseling away and they found out what she was clutching onto. It was a female body who's headed out of the city, but had turned back and was clutching pearls. And this is what the person that excavated wrote about. Though death was hard at her heels and life was beckoning to her beyond the city gates, she could not shake off their spell. But it was not the eruption of Vesuvius that made her love pearls more than life. It only froze her in this attitude of greed. You got to ask yourself, is there something in my life that I keep reaching for instead of pursuing the most important thing? The most important thing is your personal relationship with Jesus. It gives you the power to do everything else. And your second priority, if you are married, is your spouse. Let's pray this morning. Is there something that you are holding on to? That you would say, hey, pearls are valuable, Todd. I know. But life is more valuable. If you don't have life... Nothing else matters. What I'm telling you is, is that there's this law that says my spouse is the most important human relationship that I have. Is there something that you are holding on to? Is there something that you're clutching? Is there something that you have maybe even out of good intentions? Because see, ladies, I know them kids got ballet and they got piano and they got martial arts and they got, they got this sport and that activity and that trip. I know, I know, I know, I know. But, but guys, girls, have we, have we put our children ahead of our marriage? Because you know what the greatest thing that you can give your kids is not every activity under the sun. The greatest gift that you can give your kids is the model of what a great husband looks like and what a great wife looks like and what a great marriage looks like. That's the greatest gift that you give your kids. Hey, look, I know work's important. You got you to make ends meet. And you got to pay bills. And you got to put food on the table. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But somewhere, somehow... You have to check your time, check your schedule, check your priorities. And you have to ask yourself, have I put work? Have I put hobbies ahead of my spouse? Have I even put my buddies or my friends ahead of my spouse? And if so, we need to repent. Not to God, but to our spouse. So Heavenly Father, would you please give us the clarity of mind? God, would you shake us with those truths God, would you so make us aware? And maybe everything is right now, but God, this is not a one-time thing. If down the road we, we find ourselves misprioritizing, God, would you, would you again shake us and wake us up?
And God, help us to always do marriage your way. Lord, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning, if you would. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.